0: People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies Reading Guerrilla Warfare by Ernesto Che Guevara Part 5 Warfare on Unfavorable Grounds In order to carry on warfare in country that is not very hilly, lacks forest, and has many roads, all the fundamental requisites of guerrilla warfare must be observed. Only the forms will be altered. The quantity, not the quality, of guerrilla warfare will change. For example, following the same order as before, the mobility of this type of guerrilla should be extraordinary. Strikes should be made preferably at night. They should be extremely rapid, but the guerrilla should move to places different from the starting point The furthest possible from the scene of action, assuming that there is no place secure from the repressive forces that the guerrilla can use as its garrison. A man can walk between 30 and 50 kilometers during the night hours. It is possible also to march during the first hours of daylight, unless the zones of operation are closely watched... Or there is danger that people in the vicinity seeing the passing troops will notify the pursuing army of the location of the guerrilla band and its route. It is always preferable in these cases to operate at night with the greatest possible silence both before and after the action. The first hours of night are the best. Here too, there are exemptions to the general rule. ...since at times, the dawn hours will be preferable. It is never wise to habituate the enemy to a certain form of warfare. It is necessary to vary consistently the places, the hours, and the forms of operation. We have already said that the action cannot endure for long, but must be rapid. It must be of high degree of effectiveness, last a few minutes... And be followed by an immediate withdrawal the arms employed here will not be the same as in the case of actions on favorable grounds a large quantity of automatic weapons is to be preferred in night attacks marksmanship is not the determining factor but rather concentration of fire the more automatic arms firing at short distance the more possibilities there are of annihilating the enemy Also, the use of mines in roads and the destruction of bridges are tactics of great importance. Attacks by the guerrillas will be less aggressive so far as the persistence and continuations are concerned, but they can be very violent and they can utilize different arms, such as mines and shotguns. Against open vehicles heavy-loaded with men, which is the usual method of transporting troops, and even against closed vehicles that do not have special defenses against buses, for example, the shotgun, is a tremendous weapon. A shotgun loaded with large shot is the most effective. This is not a secret of guerrilla fighters. It is used also in big wars. The Americans use shotgun platoons armed with high-quality weapons and bayonets for assaulting machine gun nests. There is an important problem to explain, that of ammunition. This will almost always be taken from the enemy. It is therefore necessary to strike blows where there will be the absolute assurance of restoring ammunition expended, unless there are large reserves in secure places. In other words, an annihilating attack against a group of men is not to be undertaken at the risk of expending all ammunition without being able to replace it. Always in guerrilla tactics, it is necessary to keep in mind the grave problem of procuring the war materials necessary for continuing the fight. For this reason, guerrilla arms ought to be the same as those used by the enemy, except for weapons such as revolvers and shotguns for which the ammunition can be obtained in the zone itself or in the cities. The number of men that a guerrilla band of this type should include does not exceed 10 to 15. In forming a single combat unit, it is of great importance always to consider the limitations on numbers. 10, 12, 15 men can hide anywhere, and at the same time can help each other in putting up powerful resistance to the enemy. 4 or 5 would perhaps be too small a number, but when the number exceeds 10 the possibility that the enemy will discover them in their camp or on march is much greater. Remember that the velocity of the guerrilla band on the march is equal to the velocity of the slowest man. It is more difficult to find uniformity of marching speed with 20, 30, or 40 men than with 10. And the guerrilla fighter on the plane must be fundamentally a runner. Here, the practice of hitting and running acquires its maximum use. The guerrilla bands on the plain suffer the enormous inconvenience of being subject to rapid encirclement and of not having sure places where they can set up firm resistance. Therefore, they must live in conditions of absolute secrecy for a long time, since it would be dangerous to trust any neighbor whose fidelity is not perfectly established. The reprisals of the enemy are so violent, usually so brutal, inflicted not only on the head of the family, but frequently on the women and children as well, that pressure on individuals that lacking firmness may result at any moment in their giving way and revealing information as to where the guerrilla band is located and how it is operating. This would immediately produce an encirclement with consequences always disagreeable, although not necessarily fatal. When conditions of the quantity of arms and the state of insurrection of the people call for an increase in the number of men, the guerrilla band should be divided. If it is necessary, all can rejoin at a given moment to deal a blow, but in such a way that immediately afterwards, they can disperse towards separate zones, again divided into small groups of 10, 12, or 15 men. It is entirely feasible to organize whole armies under a single command and to assure respect and obedience to this command without necessity of being in a single group. Therefore, the election of the guerrilla chief and the certainty, and they will coordinate ideologically and personally with the overall chief of the zone, Are very important. The bazooka is a heavy weapon that can be used by the guerrilla band because of its easy portability and operation. Today, the rifle-fired anti-tank grenade can replace it. Naturally, this will be a weapon taken from the enemy. The bazooka is ideal for firing on armored vehicles and even on unarmored vehicles that are loaded with troops, and for taking small military bases of few men In a short time but it is important to point out that not more than three shells per man can be carried and this only with considerable exertion as for the utilization of heavy arms taken from the enemy naturally nothing is to be scorned but there are weapons such as the tripod machine gun the heavy 50 millimeter machine gun etc that when captured can be utilized with a willingness to lose them again In other words, in the unfavorable condition that we are now analyzing, a battle to defend a heavy machine gun or other weapon of this type cannot be allowed. They are simply to be used until the tactical moment when they must be abandoned. In our Cuban War of Liberation, to abandon a weapon constituted a grave offense, and there was never any case where the necessity arose. Nevertheless, We mention this case in order to explain clearly that the only situation in which abandonment would not constitute an occasion for reproaches. On unfavorable grounds, the guerrilla weapon is the personal weapon of rapid fire. Easy access to the zone usually means that it will be habitable and that there will be a peasant population in these places. This facilitates supply enormously. Having trustworthy people and making contact with establishments that provide supplies to the population, it is possible to maintain a guerrilla band perfectly well without having to devote time or money to long and dangerous lines of communication. Also, it is well to reiterate that the smaller the number of men, the easier it will be to produce food for them. Essential supplies such as bedding, waterproof materials, mosquito netting, shoes, medicine, and food... ...will be found directly in the zone since they are things used daily by the inhabitants. Communications will be made much easier in the sense of being able to count on a large number of men and more roads... ...but they will be more difficult as a problem of security for messages between distant points... ...since it will be necessary to rely on a series of contacts that have to be trusted. There will be the danger of an eventual capture one of these messengers who are constantly crossing enemy zones. If the messages are of small importance, they should be oral. If of great importance, code writing should be used. Experience shows that transmissions by word of mouth greatly distorts any communication. For these same reasons, manufacturer will have much less importance, at the same time that it will be much more difficult to carry it out. It will not be possible to have factories making shoes or arms. Practically speaking, manufacturer will have to be limited to small shops, carefully hidden where shotgun shells can be recharged, and mines, simple grenades, and other minimum necessities of the movement manufactured. On the other hand, it is possible to make use of all the friendly shops of the zone for such work as is necessary. This brings us to two consequences that follow logically from what has been said. One of them is that favorable conditions for establishing a permanent camp in guerrilla warfare are inverse to the degree of productive development of a place. All favorable conditions, all facilities of life normally induce men to settle, but for the guerrilla band, the opposite is the case. The more facilities there are for social life, the more nomadic, the more uncertain the life of the guerrilla fighter. These are really the results of one and the same principle. The title of this section is War on Unfavorable Grounds, because everything that is favorable to human life, communication, urban and semi-urban concentrations of large numbers of people, land easily worked by machines. All these place the guerrilla fighter in a disadvantageous situation. The second conclusion is that if guerrilla fighting must include the extremely important factor of work on the masses, this work is even more important in the unfavorable zone where a single enemy attack can produce a catastrophe. Indoctrination should be continuous and should be the struggle for unity of the workers, of the peasants, and of other social classes that live in the zone, in order to achieve towards the guerrilla fighters a maximum homogeneity of attitude. This task with the masses, this constant work at the huge problem of relations of the guerrilla band and with the inhabitants of the zone, must also govern the attitude to be taken towards the case of an individual recalcitrant, the enemy soldier. He should be eliminated without hesitation when he is dangerous. In this respect, the guerrilla band must be drastic. Enemies cannot be permitted to exist within the zone of operations in places that offer no security.